This call is being recorded. To God be the glory, we just welcome you tonight to a special time in ministry here in the Lifeline Intercessory Prayer Ministry. Today is Wednesday night, October the 30th, 2019. We're going to now open the line with praise and worship before we go into our um, time of special ministry as one of our very own prophets, Marilyn Britnick, will be ministering on tonight. Amen. Welcome into this place. Welcome into this broken vessel. You desire to abide in the presence of your people. So we lift our hands as we lift our hearts, as we open up this praise unto your name. We welcome you, Jesus. Welcome into this place. Into this broken vessel, you desire to abide in the presence of your people. So we lift our hands as we lift our hearts, as we lift our hands, as we Our hearts are filled with praise. 
gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you. We give glory, praise, and honor to your holy and righteous name. But we thank you for this opportunity that we may come boldly before your throne of grace. But we saturate this line with worship. Lord, we pray, O oh God, that the spirit of the teacher will enter in. Heavenly Father, as we praise and worship you, we thank you, Father God, for giving us the key to the house of David, according to Isaiah 22. And we take authority in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ to use this key to the house of David, to close off, to lock, to shut, to seal with the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all doors, portals, entryways, windows, and any other openings to prevent any demonic curses, demonic spirits, witchcraft prayers, ungodly soulish prayers, demonic assignments, satanic activities, deception, confusion, hindrances, or lies of the enemy that will attempt to enter into our presence or the presence of anyone we are praying for, or any of the teaching that will go forth, or any of the agreement that will go forth in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Heavenly Father, we use this key to the house of David according to Isaiah 22, 22, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to open all doors, portals, windows, entryways, and all openings to enable all blessings, gifts, and promises of God that you wish to give us to enter into our presence. Lord, we thank you, O God, for the prophetic utterance that will come forth on tonight, Father God. Lord, we thank you for the teaching that will come forth. We speak blessing upon Prophetess Marilyn Brickneck tonight, Father. Lord, we pray, O God, that you give her the strength that she needs, O God, to minister to your people. Lord, we thank you that she will have clarity of thought, Father God, clarity of speech. Lord, that her voice will um, cooperate on tonight. Lord, I pray for each and every person that is in the midst of this prayer, that we have ears to hear and the heart to receive. Heavenly Father, yes, we Lord. ask that you will encamp your warrior, your guardian, your minister, angels around these openings to allow all blessings, gifts, and promises of God to flow to us unhindered at all times. Father God, we thank you again for allowing us to enter into this time of teaching. We give you the praise yes, and glory and honor that you want your holy in righteous name, and it's in Jesus Christ's name I seal this prayer. Amen. 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 We just thank and praise God for um, this time of special teaching tonight. We have Prophetess Marilyn Brickneck from Chicago, Illinois, that will be ministering to us on tonight. I'm going to ask if you have your phone on speaker to remove it. However, I have everyone muted for right now, and we're going to go into our time of teaching. We now will um, turn it over to Prophetess Marilyn Brickneck to lead us into a time of teaching. God bless you. Good evening to all the ladies who took time from time. Amen. Thank you. I don't know why I keep muting. Just a moment. You're on. Are you right? Yes, ma'am. Okay. So who do, we, who do we have? Who do we have with us tonight? Before I begin ministry, we Yolanda have Sister Athena. Okay. Amen. We have Apostle Ball on there. Apostle Renee. Okay. You 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 have some feedback on your line. Okay. It sounds like you're in a vacuum. Okay, I'm muting it now. All right, I want to uh, write these names down so I can be meditating on them as I grow. Uh, it won't be that much teaching, just a time of impartation, since this is the beginning of a, a journey for Elder Adrian's ministry as she launches out into the deep pertaining to intercession. 
and standing in the gap and being uh, a source of mediation for believers and non-believers. And before you embark upon something like that, there has to be a foundation even for the foundation. More than anything, there has to be the blessed assurance of one accordance. There has to be a perfect unity because if if we fail in prayer because of distraction or because of uh, any hindrance, we're failing a lot of people. And that's Mm. something that, uh, that we just cannot afford, that there has to be a synergy uh, between intercessors and, and, and those who are of a mind to pray. And there has to be a, a, a before agreement, agreement, even before you enter into agreement, there has to be a pre-agreement that we're all here for the same purpose, and that is to approach the throne of grace on behalf of another, because somebody did it for us. And uh, if God's word is true, somebody is still doing it. And I'm glad about that. So I wanted to share the scripture with you from Matthew 26 and 7. And those of you who've been around the things of God for a while, I'm sure that you're familiar with it. And it's relevant for intercession. I'll tell you why in a moment. What the scripture says is that now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came unto him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head and he, as he sat at meat. And that is the essence of intercession. Mm. Is that when you realize that you have something precious, the prayers of the saints mm. and the prayers of the righteous avail as much, to me, that... Uh, speaks very clearly that it's quite valuable. It's valuable mm-hmm. enough to default in the kingdom to where the enemy spends most of his time, more time putting down your prayers than you do praying them. That's how mm-hmm. valuable it is, and that's how powerful it is. And what this scripture represents is, let me tell you what the, the alabaster box, the alabaster is a rare form of marble. It's rare because it's hard to uh, to come across, but it's rare because of its makeup, its structure. It is a form of light that is almost almost transparent. You can see through it. So it's valued for its beauty. But what makes it the most valuable is its content. And in this mm. scripture, in this text here, when we're talking about uh, the woman who was Mary, the uh, sister of Lazarus, what we're talking about here is that she took something that caught, we probably could have fed a family for a month, even though it was only a few, only a few drops. And the wisdom there is, it don't take but a few drops of prayer if it's righteous. You don't have to sit there all night, and you don't have to do any extra gyrations or anything. Just uh, sometimes the most powerful words are Lord, I believe. And 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 so. This is this this is what God wants to impart to every intercessor, every uh, man or woman who's of a mind to pray, understand the value. We appro- we approach prayer so casually. We approach prayer, praying prayers that are we have learned through repetition. Some people are still praying the prayers that were taught by the bedside by the bedside of kindergarten. So now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to Lord my soul keep. That might work for some people, but it ain't getting it's not getting past the ceiling with God. And so mm-hmm. since we 
since we have passed on into salvation and beyond salvation, he has a greater expectation for us. The more we know about him, the more he expects from us. To whom much is given, much is required, but to whom more is given, even more is required. And so when you talk about the matter of prayer, most people don't really have a clue or any insight into what it really is. And where do we begin? We begin by telling you what it's not. Prayer is not just something that you have strung together because it sounds right and you add a few tears to it and you think the madman is going to pick it up. There is a pattern to prayer. It begins with repentance. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? But he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not sworn deceitfully, nor lifted up his soul unto vanity. You can go, and you can lie there, and you can cry, you can travail, you can pray until the cows come home, but it will not ascend. He said that that's why David prayed, give me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. If ever this was critical for the saints of God, for those who have a heart, to intercede, who have a heart to be unselfish in their journey. And even though hell is raging in your life, you're still concerned about the one next to you, even more concerned about the one under your feet because they need it more than anybody. But there is a pattern, especially in these last days, because I'm here to tell you that the enemy has learned most of the prayers we have prayed in, in, in the past. There's nothing unintelligent about him. He's extremely intelligent. Anything you know, if he doesn't know, he's well able to learn. So what is our strategy? We learn everything he knows. So one of the one of one of the patterns to successful prayer is to know the weapons of your warfare. It's one thing to say that you have them, but if you don't know how to operate them, they're useless and they're dangerous. I was in the military for a number of years, and when we used to go out to training, we found out that in wartime, there were more people killed by friendly fire than enemies. And that means that they had put weapons of destruction in the hands of people who didn't know how to use them. That mm-hmm. happens in the church. That happens at the altar. But when you have people who are firing at the people next to them because they have an issue, and when the enemy is is uh, is surrounding the altar, and every man is needed to be in the right posture, in the right attitude, but you have one or two rebels who are in their flesh, and they are creating a path for the enemy to come in and to destroy everybody. That's dangerous because, in my experience, when people make it to the altar, whether they're on the side where they're ministering or whether they're on the side where they're receiving the ministry, that's an important business up there. People's marriages are falling apart. Their children are being locked up. Preachers are stepping away from the pulpit by the dozens, if not the hundreds, every day. Nobody has time to misfire, and nobody has time to be fired. In, at the wrong time for the wrong reason. So how do we do this? My whole point and everything that I'm about to say is about humility. The weapons of our warfare, it does not make us bold in the flesh. It makes us aware and alert that we are armed. 
that we're not out here on our own. It makes us intelligent. We have the knowledge that the enemy may not see our weapons. Oh, but we got them. We have something sitting on our head, the helmet of salvation. We have something guarding our emotions, even though we don't act like it, like it all the time. We have a breastplate of righteousness. We have a way to not lie, and that's the, the belt of truth. We have a way to not jump. Every time somebody jumps at us, we don't have to jump back. Our feet are shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and there is an expectation there that we have the shield of faith. Nobody should even be able to get that close up on us. And we yield. We wield the sword of the Lord, which is the word. And all these things collectively, they are the word of God. It's on the word that we stand. Everything else is going to fail at some point. The scripture says heaven and earth shall pass away. But the word of God is going to keep on standing. And so Mary, Mary had access to Christ. And instead of being distracted by things, programs, and being angry and upset and whatever, typical everyday life of the average person, she realizes since she had that close of an access to him that she could actually approach him and she could actually touch him and feel him. And she could actually, she didn't know that she was going to ever have that experience again. She made the best of it. She entered in. No matter one of the two. But see, when you when you when you're not when you're not under the pressure, but you got oppressed, you oppress you whatever people think, whatever they feel, whatever they try to do to prevent you, because you have Christ in your sights. All you know is that you see Him, and you've got to get to Him, and she brought Him her very best, and this is what He expects from us every time we approach Him. And that's why we must go through the process. What is the process? The process is threefold. We stop at the outer court. The outer court is where we become aware of ourselves. Everything that has happened to us during the day that was ungodly, everything that's done or said. And to um, give you the comparison of a church service, the outer court in church is when Anybody can walk in off the street, and if the courts are right, they can come in and they can boogie but everybody else, and they call that praise. Might have blood dripping off their hands. Might have just got to be with somebody's wife or somebody's husband. May have just, a, just aborted twins, but they can walk right on in, but the, in, in the out of court, they can do that. But now this is where it gets tricky. If you try to take that to the inner court, you're going to run into a problem. Because right there is the brazen labor. And the brazen labor is a basin, like a wash basin. It's where you, where you run into the blood. And the blood is not going to be trespassed. It's not going to be transgressed. You're not going to get by it. So it's there at the brazen labor that you might have had a start down good time in the outer court, got your party on for hours. But then as you as you as you make the attempt to really reach up and touch God and you gotta confront that brazen labor, it will make you confront yourself. How many of you know that all liquids have a reflection? Blood has a reflection too. 
And when you look and view yourself in the reflection of that blood, conviction is going to come upon you and call your name. And it's going to shout out to you everything that you need to get together. And until you get that part of your repentance right, you will never enter into the Holy of Holies, and that's your destination. That's the third step. But you may do you may do a little pitter patter outside, but you're not going to be able to grab a hold of the horns of the altar until you get past step one and step two. And is it, it, is it something that that you you need to take a class in? No, you be honest with God. He'll let you through. Give me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. And if it takes woe with me, for I am undone. If it takes what Isaiah said, when he beheld the Lord, and it compelled the Lord to perch him, touch his lips, uh, touch his lips with burning coals, it was worth it. Denying what what the blood what the blood reveals about you is the worst thing you can do because the blood doesn't lie. But when you can embrace that and be grateful that God thinks enough of you to show you, you, you're on your way to being a big girl in God. And then when you make it, when you advance beyond the outer court and the inner court, and there are two angels who guard the Holy of Holies. And when they beckon you in, what's inside, you'll find that it's so much worth it. That's the brazen altar. That's where you're trying to go. That's where you can make intercession, and that's where you can really meet the mediator, the chief mediator, who will capture all your tears, who will capture all of your prayers, and carry them up to his father himself. This is the pattern of intercessory prayer, priestly prayer, the prayer of those who have a heart others who are willing to because it requires a lifestyle. When it becomes your lifestyle, you don't have to always spend so much time in the outer court and the inner court. And you will get closer to God quicker. But there's nothing wrong. Those are the things that will save your life. Because sometimes you can approach you can try to approach God with presumption and pride and get destroyed. So humility is the only way that you're going to really reach up and teach God, touch God. Tears have their place. And the lady lady with the alabaster box, she knew this. And she was so filled with joy for, for finally being that close to God. It didn't bother her that he was eating, which was something I'm sure that on an ordinary day she wouldn't have done. She wouldn't have stopped an ordinary person from eating. But all she knew was that she saw the Lord. Like 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 Isaiah said, I saw him high and lifted up, and that's all he could say. I saw the Lord, and when you see him, every time you go into prayer, you ought to see him. You ought to see him. You ought to feel him, and for God's sake, you ought to hear him. When you go into prayer, it's not just to talk; it's more to listen. You talk enough before you get into prayer. And we miss we miss the petitions, God's answers a lot of times because we have gone and we have downloaded and we have regurgitated so much information that not once have we given him the uh the honor and the respect of listening. Sometimes that's all he wants us to do. He don't want us to say a word. Just enter his presence and sit. 
And that's something we struggle with because we are built to be busy. And we don't know how to quiet down. But I can tell you this, trouble will teach you how. Trouble will take the very words out of your mouth. You don't have nothing to say because you're in too much pain. That's okay, though. That's a good thing because that brings me to the next scripture before the impartation. In the book of Joel, and I'm pretty sure that those who've been around God a while know this one too, Joel, the second chapter. This is the call to prayer. And the call to prayer is for everybody, every man, woman, every boy and girl. But there was a particular decree in Joel chapter 2 because there were times that are much like the times that we're experiencing now where uh, there was destruction, all sorts, all kinds, every man of death, every man of famine, every man of destruction, and every man of threat, but everything that gave them life. And that, that God's response was that was not to that was not to just readily answer those things, but there were some requirements, and those requirements were that, in, according to Joel chapter two, uh, verse twelve. Therefore, also now saith the Lord, serve me even to me with all your heart, and with fasting and with weeping. And I want you to remember that. And with mourning, and rend your heart, and not your garments. In other words, in other words, spare him your flesh. That's not what impresses him. No matter how articulate it is, and 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 no matter how uh, it appears that what you're doing appears to be sincere, and it may impress a lot of me. But God said, No, that's not what I'm about. I want your heart. And I don't want just any heart. I want a heart that has been made flesh. I want a heart that has no spots, no stains on it. And he goes on to say, And turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. This is the kind of God that you need to get to when you're in trouble, and he's telling you how to do it. Who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, and call a solemn assembly. That's what intercession is for the most part. It is the blowing of the trumpet because the trumpet declares what's on God's heart and what's on God's mind. The trumpet gives direction as it receives direction and not the direction of men. And the trumpet hears spontaneously because everything that we pray does not have to be orchestrated, and it shouldn't be because God moves in the now. And we find ourselves in deeper and deeper destruction because we're moving in yesterday. We're praying in yesterday. We're praying in last year. And God's moving in the now, and so is Satan. So we have to be on time with God. And it goes on to say, gather the people and sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children and those that suck the breath, 
that the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet, that the priest, I want you to listen to this. If you don't ever remember anything else about about intercession, remember this. This is, hold on. This is the charge that I want to share with you all tonight. It was shared with me over 30 years ago. And I want to share it with you now. Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thy heritage to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Their God is among us, and he's amongst them too. And we have an obligation to make sure sure they never forget that. Because without God, none of us are going to make it. Some of us may think that we have more God than others, but God doesn't operate. He doesn't move like that. We may have a greater measure of his promises because of what we put into it. But God is available to all of us. And out of everything that he's given us to do, some of us are great prophets, some of us are great and prolific preachers, and some of us are great in other gifts. But the thing that touches God instantaneously more than anything else is the heart of an intercessor. And it is one of great sacrifice. God delights in the tears of the saints. One of the things that I recognize on, on the call with you guys on Saturday, I think it is that there are a couple of travailers. If I recognize that, then I know that it blessed God's socks off to know that there's that, that measure of brokenness still moving in the land. Because it's not what you see in your typical church. It used to be that that's all you did when you got to church on Sundays and you got to the altar. You travailed. The mothers were going to make sure that you did. You travailed and you made an lamentation and it was a part of your home life. Is it a part of your home life now? Do you have a place where you can travail? Do you understand what travail is? It's not just screaming. And it's not just when you're in pain that you're yelling out, but it's when you take enough time to get close enough to Christ as Mary did. And you can pick up the burden of his heart, and as his heart weeps, you weep with it. And we have much to weep for. Everyone on this line, there is something, there's a weeping in you. There's a weeping in you that's not selfish. Some of you, I believe, have already tapped into that. You're, you're already operating in that. And some of you, it just needs to be activated. I know that when I began weeping, I wept for days. I think I got dehydrated because all I did was cry. I cried on, in the car on the way to work. I cried at work. I cried on the way home. I cried in my sleep. That's the burden of the Lord. And it's not saying that, that intercessors, that's what they do. They just walk in my buckets. No, I'm not saying it at all. What I'm saying is that there's a sensitivity. There is a sensitivity available. Some people are so sensitive to it that it just it flows from them. Some people are afraid of it. Some people don't understand it. But tonight, you get another Sandy. Now, well, I want to bring it. Yeah. Before you enter into um, the time of impartation, this call. The way the line is set up, it gives us 45 minutes, so it's going to end in five minutes. I want to see if we could just 
stop and call right back in so we can start over on our second 45 minutes. Is that okay? Okay. I've already notified everyone else. So everyone just hang up and call right back in. Thank you. Elder Phaedron? Hello? Hello? I don't think she's made it yet. Oh, okay, okay. Hello, are you all able to hear me? This is Apostle Ball. Should we go ahead and hang up and call back in? I can hear. Um, yeah, I, I can hear. 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 I can hear